following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. This reading is from the book of Numbers, chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. From Mount Hor they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people became impatient on the way. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord to take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole, and whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. This is a reading from John chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light, and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. Good morning. It is wonderful to see everyone who's here and everyone who's over here on the side for me. I'm going to try really hard to look directly ahead and not look down to the side. Um, My first time preaching in a hybrid service, so here we go. We're going to do our best. Uh, It's wonderful to be back, though, and to see everybody here after a long year. One year ago, it was the last time that I was in this room on a Sunday morning. Um, It's been longer than that since I preached in this room on a Sunday morning, but It's been a long year, right? We've been doing some reflecting on that this last week, I know. Um, Maybe you have personally, I know, sort of in in our world, we have been doing some reflecting on the last year in the past week. And as I was getting ready for the message this morning, a lot of what happened in the last year was really resonating with me as I read today's passage, which might seem strange. Uh, it is a interesting story that we get from the Hebrew Bible this morning. When Scott asked me to preach sometime during Lent, and I said, yeah, sure, you know, I think I could do March 14th, 
Uh, and then I started prepping, and I, I was reading the passage, and I was like, what am I going to do with that? Uh, it's, it's one of the difficult ones, you know, where you have to stop and reckon with a God who smites people with poisonous vipers. Um, but it's one of the reasons I actually really appreciate the lectionary. So we're, at, we're in the lectionary texts, and they don't let us skip over things, right? They, they, they set a text in front of you, and they say, here, sit with this until you can meet God in this, in this moment. And so that's what I did. Um, and I actually, taking a chance to sit with the text gave me a way to think about and to reflect on the last year and to say, you know, where, where is God in our present situation? Because notice how the story resolves, right? When Moses puts a snake on a wooden pole and the people look to it, they are healed. There's a plague in the land and a God who brings healing. Now, what makes the story most interesting to me and sort of what stood out to me the most in my reading of it this time is the imagery in the story, right? In the last year, you might have seen this image a few times and you never really thought about it in relation to a passage in the Bible. A snake circling a pole raised up, right? The flag of the World Health Organization. If you want to look it up, it's a blue flag. It's got a world on it. And there's a snake circling a pole sitting on top of it. The emergency services star. It's a blue six-pointed star. And in the middle of it, there's a white snake on a pole (laughs) circling it. It is a universal symbol for medicine and healing. And here it is in our Hebrew Bible reading for today. Now, these organizations are not actually depicting our story or not probably knowingly doing so, Um, at least not directly. The use of this symbol is not unique to this passage in the Bible. It is actually more usually referencing the rod of Asclepius, which is um, in Greek mythology, the Greek god associated with the healing arts. And there are temples with this symbol all throughout the uh, ancient Greek world. So the Hebrew scriptures are not the only source that we would pull this image from, but a lot of people would say it is the earliest source where we find this weird combination of a snake and a staff meaning healing. So it's a strange time, right, for this to come up in the lectionary where the World Health Organization has actually been more a part of our lives this year than any of us ever would have dreamed. We are in the middle of a global health emergency. We are at the end. We are at the end, right, of a global health emergency. And this symbol with ancient meaning is again coming to life in our midst. And then we heard, and I wanted the two passages read together this morning. There's the Hebrews passage, or the, the um, Numbers passage, and then there's the, the gospel reading, right? And I wanted them read back to back this morning. Thank you, Corey. Because I, you, may, you maybe don't know, you know, John 3.16 is this really commonly known passage in Scripture. But maybe you never really knew that in the context of that verse, we hear this echo of this 
kind of strange story from the Hebrew Bible. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the people who looked upon it might be healed. So too will Jesus, when lifted up, be a source of healing for the world God so loves. John is forecasting the cross, right? Jesus raised up on the cross is the new depiction of the healing of the world. But he's tying it to this Old Testament passage. So what do these stories and this symbol mean for our world today? On March 14th, 2021. That's what I have been reflecting on over the last few weeks and what I want to spend a little bit of time sort of sharing my reflections on this morning for us to, I think, have a continuous community conversation about what does this mean for us? A couple weeks ago, a friend of mine said it's either the first week of March or the 53rd week of March, depending on how you're counting, right? Of course it is, because March 2020 is the month that will live in infamy mostly because it feels like the month that never seems to end. I actually remember that month very well. I remember uh, the first week of March, listening to NPR in my car on the way to work, driving to work, and hearing stories about a situation developing in Italy. There was this virus that had only minimally been on my radar. I had heard about it. But it was overwhelming their hospitals. And one day, the whole of, remember, northern Italy was shut down. And then it was like a day later, they closed the borders and shut down the whole country. And everybody's supposed to stay home. They're interviewing people on the news who are quarantining at home. And the number of, numbers of people in their hospitals are growing. And they're talking about not having enough medical supplies. I'm thinking... This is, this is unusual, <laughs> right? This is an unusual level of, of discussion about a virus. But it was Italy. It, was, it still felt far away from me. And honestly, I, I remember thinking, it's a virus. How bad can that be? Because I do live in a world where vaccines have been a regular part of my life. And so honestly, I don't think very much about viruses. I will now. Never again will I not take a virus seriously. But I remember talking to my mom, and she said this is just like when she was a kid. She was a child in the 1950s and wasn't allowed outside to play with other kids for a summer because polio was spreading. And she said, I remember lining up at the school gym to get my polio vaccine. But it was still a foreign concept to me. And now I walk down the road to East High School and I get my rapid COVID test. And it isn't very foreign anymore. I remember the day one year ago that the World Health Organization declared the global pandemic. I was in a meeting, actually, and we, we had been talking for a few days in our meetings at work, and we were all sitting in the same room, all like in chairs right next to each other, which, you know, I can't even imagine anymore. And we're talking about what we would have to do if we had to temporarily shut down, 
which when you're a res when you work at a residential college, that's kind of a big deal to start talking about. And on March 13th, the U.S. declared our national emergency, and at Roberts Wesleyan College, where I work, we closed our residence halls, and we sent our students home that weekend. On March 20th, the governor of New York ordered a statewide stay-at-home order. And on March 22nd, I remember distinctly, it was a Sunday, and I drove across town at like 5 o'clock to pick up the plants from my office. And I remember, like I was sitting on my couch, and I remember having to convince myself that it was worth it to go get them. Because I'll be honest, I'm not a very good plant parent, and I regularly neglect to water them. So I, in my mind, was thinking, they're going to be fine. They'll make it a few weeks. But I drove over, and I got them, and I would not return to my office for five months. You have your March 2020 story as well, I'm sure. And then the story of all the months post-March 2020. For a year, we've played a guessing game with what will be open or closed, if the hand sanitizer we need will be in stock at Wegmans, if our friends will be able to visit us because of travel restrictions, if we'll still have a job or uh, be able to find a new job with all that has closed, if we can trust being in the presence of other people, if we'll end up in quarantine. Raise your hand if you have had to quarantine at least one day in the last year. Yep, yep, everybody? Well, I don't know, maybe everybody. I can't really see if it's everybody because I'm here with a small group of people as we're trying to figure out how to do church again, right? It's our new normal, and we are desperately trying to find some sense of when we might get back to something like old normal, because we kind of liked some of old normal. We've had our highs and lows this year, <laughs> things that have helped us grow and things that have annoyed us. Um, and I have one of those things, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit, um, there have been a lot of things that have helped me grow this year, and there's been one thing that has regularly annoyed me. So I'm going to talk about the one thing that's regularly annoyed me. <laughs> of all the things that have bothered me this last year, and this is super petty, and some people in this room have heard my rant on this. People, these are not unprecedented times. <laughs> I know we've been using that word, and I don't think that word means what you think it means. Okay, it's not the most annoying thing that has happened this year, for sure. But it is one of those things that every time I hear it, I think, really? Unprecedented? I don't think so. I know what, I know what people mean. I know what you mean if you say that. Uh, we mean that there are no easy answers and that um, we're all using our best judgment, making our best decisions in situations that we are not used to facing. And that is all very true. It is 100% what we have been doing this year. But that's not actually what the word unprecedented means. Unprecedented means without precedent. And while we are in unusual times, 
If you look at history, because history class matters, you will actually find precedent for our current situation. So I would invite you, if you have a minute and are interested in things like this, to Google history of pandemics. And this really interesting infographic comes up. And you can see the, the history of pandemics through recorded time, through recorded history, and know that there are some that are in unrecorded history. But you see how devastating each of them was. It, it tells you how many people died in history in different pandemics. And to me, that infographic says, there is precedent for this. More than the facts that fact that pandemics have been with us, history tells us the story of the Christian response to pandemics. It is a part of our history. We have roots that tell us how we might respond. There are historical documents and letters and histories that uh, we have copies of that have been preserved, that talk about Christians during pandemics in the second and third century. These are uh, times that diseases that decimated communities, and there were Christians there. In the midst of these plagues that were taking place around the time of sort of the earliest church, Christians were responding as Christian people. You see, at that time, when less was known about how diseases spread and how to treat them, many, many, many people were dying of disease. And when an illness was raging through a city and no one knew where it was coming from or who was going to be next, people were very afraid. So often, as soon as someone was sick, they'd be discarded. They'd be left out on the street because there was a fear of being near them. And... um, there were actually, there are, there's evidence that physicians that were, were deserting cities because they didn't want to catch the disease. So rather than staying, they would, they would leave. But Christians didn't do that, not for the most part. They took in the sick for, um, from their communities and did what they could for them. And mostly from what we can tell, they gave them food and water. And more of those who were cared for lived. Rodney Stark says this is a part of the reason Christianity spread so rapidly during this time in this part of the world. People were looking to see whose God had the power to heal. Would Asclepius be able to save them? And they found out no. But people looked and saw the God that these people prayed to seem to be working miracles more of them were surviving. And here's the deal. I affirm that miracles can and do happen. I also affirm that caring for the sick, giving them uh, basic care and food and water and taking them in and not abandoning them, can and does lead to better health outcomes. And in some ways, that's the story of the early Christians. In the midst of their pandemic, they did what they could to care for their neighbors. And it led many more people to be healed from disease. And the watching world took note and said, look, God is with them. 
their response, as small as it probably seems to us today, changed the world. I don't know if they had the image of the snake on the pole in their minds. I'm guessing not. But I know they had the image of the cross and the Savior who died and was raised to life. Front and center for them. This image gave them hope in the midst of what others saw as a hopeless situation. It gave them courage to respond with love rather than self-protection. Because they knew God was with them, the God who heals, they changed the world. So I think about that today as I think about playing my part in this pandemic. What am I called to do? Well, what I learned from the precedent of the early church is that I should do my part, uh, do my best to practice the best medical guidance, um, to keep people healthy in my community. Maybe for you, if you are a medical professional, which I am not, uh, that means actually taking care of people. For me, it mostly means wearing a mask, carrying hand sanitizer, and getting my vaccine. (laughs) But I also think about these early Christians and their response as an act of witness. Our theme for the year at our college is God is here. And it reminds us in difficult times that we are not alone. And that is true. God is here, and we are not alone. But as I've gone through this last year, the meaning of that has shifted for me a bit. Yes, God is with me. But more so, I am called to be the presence of God to others. What the early Christians did to care for one another and their neighbors who had been abandoned and left to die was a witness to a watching world. There was something different about this community of people. The care they had for one another made them a healing community and a witness to God's healing of the world. People could see that God was there because they saw Christians who were showing up And showing them what God was like. COVID-19 has really taken over our lives for the last year. But I I would suggest that it is one pandemic that has changed our world. But it's not the only pandemic that we have in our world. It's not the only disease that needs healing. I said you could Google history of pandemics. I could have you Google the history of extreme poverty in the world, the history of racism and genocide, the history of violence against women, the history of slavery and human trafficking. All of these are also pandemics in our world. And they're going to require more than random testing, wearing a mask, and getting vaccinated. But we are no less called to respond to these pandemics as to the health crisis that we faced. What would it look like in some of these instances as well to be a community of healing for the world? 
What will it look like to be a witness of God's healing presence, God's reconciling work, and God's love for the world? How will we respond? How will we show that not only is God here, but God cares and God heals? I actually don't have answers for that. Um, But I I think just as as I was thinking about it um, and thinking about some of these major, major challenges, I thought my whole life has been upended because of COVID-19. I live a totally different way in the world today than I did one year ago. And I guess I started to wonder if we need to be as intentional and structured in our response to some of these other pandemics. The world has had to get together on things in coordinating a response to COVID. Might we need a similar approach? And how do we participate in that? I have no idea. But I believe the witness of the church is to be a healed community of healing. And it is going to take some hard work and intentionality on our part. But it is the precedent set by our ancestors. And it asks us what we will do in our time. So I leave that for us as a community conversation. What are we willing to do? to change, to risk, to be the community that changes the world. I think of the last chapter of the scriptures. Um, if, you, if you look to Revelation 22, at the very end of the story that we're a part of and that God is telling, there's a, another symbol there. Um, there's a, a city that God is in, and we are invited to be in that city And there's a a river that runs through it. And it says, on the banks of that river is a tree. And the leaves of that tree are for the healing of the nations. And I find that passage to be an inspiration and an invitation. What would it look like for us to participate in the city of God today? Where we live under the shade of the tree that is for the healing of the nations. I hope we have some time to ask that as a community as we begin to emerge from this pandemic, as we think about what it means for us to participate in healing in some of these other pandemics in our world. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.